G'day ladies and gents and welcome to a new EdTech Legends episode brought to you by our great friends at EdTech Mining, the gun consultant in the mining engineering geology, geotechnical and ventilation space. Great long-term supporters of Life of Mine. Use the promo code Life of Mine next time you shop at EdTech and Macca will more than likely give you a discount. Now, the Legend series, it's always been a popular one. I've uh, been working on this bloke for about four years, and whether this is out of guilt or curiosity, I've finally got him. My old boss, one of my biggest mentors and a well-known figure in WA mining, Mr. Tony Syme. Now, as per usual, we yarn for about two and a half hours so I've split it up into three episodes and in this episode one we go through how Symes he got into mining and getting on the air leg at a very young age working in and around Campbell, Leinster, Laverton, Norseman. He's uh, been everywhere and even his uh, victories in the rock drill competitions. He reckons he had it all over Bub Butler back in the day so let's get into part one of three with Symes. Here we go. Once you get the first five minutes out of the road times, yeah, it's bloody relaxing as anything. Yeah. <laughs> you reckon? Well, there you go. Four years in the making, Tony Sign. <laughs> I never thought I'd get ya. <laughs> yeah, there I am, Matty. <laughs> did you what did you say you want to um uh, correct a few statements that have been out on the podcast. No, I was only joking. Right? <laughs> but no doubt they will come up there and people will be saying what I say, and they'll say, "No, nah, that's not right." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been uh, it's a it's a bloody so. If you're gonna if you're gonna rate rate me, Simesy, because we've worked together before, as um in terms of how many grey hairs I've put on your head between not both the but the engineering side and the um my social habits on site, where would I bloody, uh, what percentage of grey hairs have I contributed to? Not really, mate. Over to the thousands I've had to put up with, you know, you're only you're only one of many. <laughs> but, and you're only up there once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you left the keys in the car and it got flogged and <laughs> when you stayed on site over Christmas, didn't turn up. <laughs> and then a couple of other times when the... Um, when your state of orange is on and you turned up really feeling very sick and should have blown over, but apparently the, the breath lines were broken at those times, I think. <laughs> oh, not bad for tech services, I reckon. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, and you forgot about the bridge stope that's still there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the bridge stope. That um, that gets brought up in a lot of drill and blast um, courses these days by all the consultants, so... Uh, my legacy lives on. Oh, so they've got away from the Windara one, have they? The South Windara legacy. What's that one? When the um, engineers designed all the stope and uh, the ore leading to the south and they designed it all leading to the north and they fired the whole lot and the first they started bogging it and there was a oh, massive ore coming out. This is beautiful and it all turned to waste. <laughs> Hit the underlay going the wrong way. Oh, God. <laughs> and anyway, it ended up in the investigation. The drillers the drillers um, read the plans. Well, the engineer who designed it decided to 
put the plans out looking north when all the others had been looking south and the driller didn't read the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? What year was this? Uh, that was... That would have to be uh, early 80s, late 70s. There'd be 81, 82, somewhere around there. 82. 82. Where's Windara? Loverton. Loverton. Gold or nickel? Nickel. Nickel. It was the, um, what Sidon was um, based on. Ah, right. Yep, yep. Yeah. The early, early the South Sidon. Windara was in mine. Yep. Right, so where did it all start for you, Simesy? How did you get into mine and, well, and all your bloody three quarters of your life's been in it? So when did it all start? Well, when I was, um, when I was a kid, I was down on the farm at Grass Patch, you know, just down near Esperance. And anyway, there's no high schools or anything down there. So all of us all, if you're going to high school, you got sent away to boarding school. So I got sent away to boarding school and did all my buddy senior college and all that sort of thing away from home and only come home at Christmas time. And every now and again, the old man, you know, if he had to, because mum was pretty crook with her back and things like that. So he'd come down to Perth every now and again in that five years. I think he'd come down there twice or three times or whatever. And uh, anyway, so... When I got back to the farm, I just couldn't get on with him and he just couldn't get on with me. So I ended up taking off and, well, some neighbours, they were in, had been in mining and that, so I got talking to to uh, Michael and anyway, he says, oh, you know, there's mining up there and heaps of jobs and everything. So I just took off one day and went mining and the old man and I had been mates ever since, yeah. well, until he passed away anyway. And what was uh, what was the first gig? What was mining then? First morning then was, well, they had the trainee school in um, Cambolder then at Silver Lake. That would, um, what was his name? Um, Bob Anderson, the Black Pom, we used to call him. He was um, a Pom, one of the Poms that had come out. Kim Anderson was his son, actually. He was a bloody good footballer. Played for Waffle. And, yeah, he was in charge of that. And so I did, uh, I think I was done about 14 months in that. And you did everything from... On the grizzly with a spoiler, smashing rocks, digging drains, laying concrete drains, laying rails, fixing rails, all that on the bloody rocker shovel boggers, the old 12 Bs and them. And then you slowly progressed up, you know, if you had the body size and everything, well, then you went in the machine mining. Yep. And you basically were a trainee with a couple of the miners that were in the, in the training school. God, you would have been fit as a fiddle, eh? Oh, yeah, those days I was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was playing footy and all that too, and... So, Who'd you play footy for? Cam Balder? Ended up playing Cam Balder. I played Cam Balder, Laverton, and Leinster over the periods. Yeah. Yeah, up until uh, 86, I think it was the last time I played. Geez, all those comps would have been friggin' hard as nails, eh? All bloody tough miners and machine oh, miners yeah. bloody playing against yeah, each other. Yeah, I think was we weren't very fast because we weren't all that fit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, you know, you do your training, you know, for an hour sort of thing, Tuesday night and Thursday night or something like that and turn up for the game. <laughs> and what was um like Cam Balder back then? I know we've talked about it in previous episodes. Was it just was in the those seventies era? Was it just yeah, thriving? It was, a, it was a brilliant town. It was a brilliant town. It was you know it was all there was all eight hour shifts, and only main trouble with it was there was unions that were really pretty bad then, yeah. and so I think should I think I went for about fifteen months or something like that before I got a full pay. You know, just from union reps, you know, union strikes, and you know, they're only one or two days here and there, and yeah. always on a Friday or a Monday and things like that, so they can go fishing. And did you did you have to be 
part of the union or was it um, frowned upon if you weren't part of it or yeah, was no, everyone yeah. was part no, of it? No, everybody was part of it. Yeah. There's yeah, no true. such thing as scab labour in them days. And when, no. when did you, when did you, the whole union thing change? Because, like, you know, it's still heavy in coal mining and everything over us, but it's not non-existent in WA. I think the um, the 12-hour shifts and all that is what changed it. Yeah. And then the um, enterprise agreements, when they come in, they change the door. Oh, so that took away the purpose, yeah. need, need for a union. Yeah, because the, all the, you know, we were all getting paid well above the award. It was only, you know, beginners and things like that and you had the Sparkies and all them. They were only getting paid award them days. And then as the demand got more with the 12-hour shifts and all that fly and fly out, the demand got a lot more. There's a lot more mines opened up on that. And so then you end up with, um, you know, the wages that went up. So basically the unions ended up being a non-entity. Yeah. You know, they weren't really needed. So your first first mine sites before you're leading up to the – Leading up to your first gig on the lake, Silver Lake, was it? Yeah, Silver Lake was where I did all my training and that. And then I ended up going to Durkin. Yeah. And Durkin, I went over there and I was buddy um trainee with Tubby Knowles. He was <laughs> he was a real big solid bloke. He was something was about the same size as Sean Ryan sort of thing. And he, he was on an air lead rough as guts. And then we were doing all these um little cross cuts, rail drives and all that. And with a 12B. And we're doing all these um, cross cuts into an ore body, and you, know, you drive along in the ore, and then you do all your mill holes, yep. and then pump all the risers up into the stopes, and and you'd put rails in each one of them, so you'd actually you'd chuck the bobber off the rails onto the rails that went into the mill hole, and load all that out of there, pull it out, chuck it back on the rails again, go to the next one. Anyway, old Tubby, he taught me he taught me something how to throw buddy air scrapers with a bogger. Because as you were setting all these up, you'd set up a scraper and just scrape it all out and use the air one. And you'd chuck it in the bucket, flick it over the back. <laughs> flick it over the back and you'd set it up and scrape it out. And he never ever broke a bloody thing. <laughs> After I went mining on my own, I tried and I smashed the hand. <laughs> smashed the gearbox, every bloody thing. <laughs> but um, how, long did you, so how long did you do on the trainee side? Oh, I was only about three months. Oh, bugger all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I'd already been doing the Silver Lake, you know, in the yeah. training school. I'd done, you know, we did – over there we did bits of rail driving, we did bits of um, rising, bits of uh, cut fill stoping, bits yeah. of um, leading stoping, you know, all different types of stoping, gallery stoping, you know. They had little things set up everywhere. We went in and did a few days here yeah. and there sort of thing. Yeah. And then you chucked out on my own and first job on my own was a buddy basalt rise, 65 degrees. Oh, it came out of basalt. Yeah. Oh, God. And straight up underneath in the football side of an ore body. Had to go up, I think it was 23 metres or something like that. And then anyway, when they put the sub-level in, they found out the ore was about 10 metres lower. <laughs> so all of my rise was just destroyed and it was oh, a waste God. of time. But, so is that, is that the hardest ground you've ever drilled, that came out of basalt? Yeah, came out of basalt was the hardest I'd drilled. But... The um well Bellevue was harder, but I was a boss by then, so yeah, didn't have to go on the air leg. But and what and what was it like when you're drilling air leg uh, rises and stuff through this gambel to basalt? How often are you? Does it is it chewing bits or just slow as anything? We're all just integral steels. Yeah, you know no bits then, and you you know you you do a buddy fourteen roll rise, you go through most probably a dozen seals. Yeah. You know, with the integral bits. For the, the for the whole for the whole rise. Yeah. Yeah. Just boring out, you know, there's just two metre 
Actually, they were six footers then. So, um, and what, what are these? What are they? Integral bits? Did you say integral steels? Yeah, right. What are that? And it's all well, just, just a steel with the tungsten in the end of the steel. And that yeah, no right. bits. Yeah, it wasn't until um, shit, when the late eighties that we started getting the bits. Yeah. Hmm. Of, yeah, right. So mid eighties, yeah, mid eighties. I think all the bits. Yeah, oh, there you go. I didn't know they. Yeah, all the knock on bits. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then what was the were the knock ons? Obviously, was it different for you guys or buddy? It'd be quick easier for you guys with the oh yeah integral you know, ones because you just changed the whole yeah. bloody thing. Well, all you did was took in a took in a string with twenty. You know, you have a twenty bits or whatever on a string. Yeah. Or a bit of rope or whatever, or a little bloody ammo box. Yeah. Whereas before you had to wrap up all the steels. Four in a bundle, carry them all out the flat. Yeah, yeah. Put them there. Carry all the other ones back in. How easy is it to change a bit on an air leg without bloody reverse rotation stuff? Or do they rattle off pretty easy? Or well, the bits themselves, the knock-on bits. The knock-ons, yeah. Uh, if you had to keep pressure on them, because sometimes if you let it bounce or anything like that, well then it'd wear the end of your steel out and yeah. it wouldn't grip. Or sometimes you'd end up and they'd lock on too, and they're bloody hard to get off. But you just you just had. To, um, Whack them on a you know decent bit of basalt, give them a flog with a hammer, yeah, and come off pretty easy. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, there you go. Just whack them on the side, yeah. You did have these little, um, oh, little steel bit of thing about six inches long that fitted over the steel, and you just bang the end of that, and that would uh knock the bit off, yeah. But they'd be chasing steels all over the place. <laughs> it was nice on a con nice concrete floor, but not in a bloody rough, bloody mining situation. They were playing the bum, really, yeah. So, who, who was the clients then that you were working for? It was all Western mining there, yeah. Yeah, all Western Mining owned the whole lot of it, Cambolder. Yeah. So how'd you go on the leg to start with, Sonsy? How long well, did it take to, to, to develop the craft? Well, you had um, like Chuck Marmarek. Yeah, Chuck. He was working. Um, I was doing rising. After that rise, I went in the end of another drive, put up a few more, a couple more rises. You know, Chuck come in there and he started stoping. So I learned quite a bit off him about stoping and all that, you know, just watching him because he wouldn't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, those days there wouldn't very many of the guys told you anything. They'd just say, you watch. And if you don't learn, well, that's your bloody problem, boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, I was one of that level. I had Gavin Giles, Lee Giles, Vic Birmingham, uh, it's quite a few, Tony Morelli, you know, there's a few real good miners who had been mining for a long time and that. And so, you know, you talk to them at crib time, you listen to them at crib time, you always had to listen all the time. And so then then when I first got stoping really was um, I started off a job at the uh, bottom of Durkin on eight level and did all the sub-level jump-ups, all that sort of thing, and did a bit of stoping there and then all the all pinched out because it was the bottom level out on the um, east end. And uh, then they transferred me out to Cornelia Hill. And that was um, oh, about 25 k's out of something around uh, southeast, uh, northeast on the lake. And uh, the other side of the lake sort of then. And that's when I, you know, got into it. And I ended up, even Jeff Thornett was a pretty good miner. I ended up beating him quite a few pace. And so went into that. And that was, from then on, I was going okay. And so she was it always pretty competitive because yeah. you're everyone was paid oh, yeah. on the grizzle. Yeah, they were paid on the grizzle. You had to pay for your own amp, you had to pay for everything. Yeah. And what were the uh, was there much bloody what were the sneaky bugger tactics for the grizzle to get the most pay you could bloody get? I'm sure well, there was had, some. He <laughs> had some surveyors like um Tubby Turner. He was I had him for quite a quite a few years. 
And um, he always used to measure up off the thumbnail thickness. <laughs> Eat up there. Yeah, that's that's 200 tonne or whatever. <laughs> and so anyway, he, wasn't, he wasn't too bad, actually. He was pretty accurate. And when you'd run the tape out, you know, if it was, you know, if you hadn't really finished scraping out or something like that, you'd grab all the tape. So you'd curl it up in your hand, you know, going a couple of meters out of it, things like that. You know? <laughs> and, you know, there's just a lot of things, a lot of risers you come across when you're putting drives in, you hear stories about these risers are supposed to break through the level. So when they went down there, measure the risers, oh no, they were three or four meters short. You know, so guys got away with things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> uh, that's the old pecky trick, isn't it? Bore them, bore them short, book them long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or else you'd um, the last cut would be um, just big enough just to get the machine in, so you could get a hole through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so what was um? I guess what was what was Cam Bowder like like the undergrounds there when um, all the machine mine and everywhere was there just was it like a big city underground? You got how many like how many miners would you have going at one time at those undergrounds? Oh. Yeah, like Dirk and you would have um, four level, five level, six level. There'd be 15, 15 20 miners on, on each, each level. level. Yeah, wow. You know, out the each east west and all that. Eight level, there was only sort of five or six of us down there because it was, you know, sort of the bottom of the ore there. And so the one that the states weren't all that big. Seven level was quite big. And seven was also where you went out the Gibb Crosscut, which is a little part of Long Shaft. When they were yeah. sinking the shaft and everything, they drove out from uh, Durkin. It was uh, the two and a half, three k's or something. Yeah. And long rail drive. And the Gibb Crosscut, and that was just a raised ball with a cage that went up and down it on a um, old air hoist. And I was out there for a while actually. I was doing um, bar and arm work out there, putting in all the drain holes and electrical holes and all that between all the levels. Yep. Yeah, was was the, how many how many bloody compressors did they have? They would have had fucking shitloads or massive ones just to, su oh, to just supply sixty odd bloody, bloody air levels on the surface. Yeah, yeah. They have um, most of the mines that have an eight inch pipe going down there, and then go to four inch on each level. Yeah, oh, okay, so it was a lot more feed on the oh, yeah. on the decline. Yeah. Yeah, there was bloody big compressors. I can't never ever really got into the compressor housing. We were sort of banned from going to the winder houses and the compressor houses and all that. That was the the black hat people. Yeah. All the fitters and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What and now what about explosives back then? What were you, what did you start with? Was it all um was it all fuses when no. you first started? No, or? actually I never ever got the used fuses. The, um, there was quite a few mines that were using them, but I never ever did. That was always electric debts and ampho and gelignite, you yep. fracture. Any, um, any, have any hairy ones with gelignite, sweaty gelignite, or it was all pretty good, you? No. You just light them up. Roman candle. Yeah. What, to burn the sweatiness off? No, just burn them. Yeah, right. It's only, it, it went off with impact. And sweaty stuff, you know, you just you always used it. You know, you you're told when you're doing all your training and everything, you use the old stuff first. Yeah. Don't let it see if it starts sweating or anything like that. Make sure you use it and be very gentle with it. Get rid of it. And you could just, you know, stick cut it open, just rip the bloody hose up it and just wash it all away anyway. Because when it was sweaty, what was the big danger there? Because it was so volatile or was it the gas all coming your, off it? Or? It was all your um, nitroglycerin and all that sort of thing leaked out of it. And it was more concentrated in the areas. And so you don't have to, you know, you drop a rock on it or something apparently, or you drop a hammer or something like that and the bus go bang. 
Yeah. I've never witnessed it. They so never ever tried it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. very much. So what? And how how many people were living in Cambalder at that point? How big was the town? I think it was about seven and a half, eight thousand or something. Yeah, you know, and it was that it had the uh, pub and the clubs, and they had the West Pub, East Pub, East Clubs, and the footy clubs. All them, you know, they were all going, and they had bars and everything, and they were always bloody yeah. heaps of entertainment. We used to get all the bands, you know, there was bloody all the bands that go to Kogula, they'd all come to Campbell, yeah, 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 and you know, and then you'd. Saturday nights in Cambodia, you'd bloody flog into into Kalgoorlie and go to the nightclubs, and because <laughs> you all had weekends off, yeah, you know. So it's all because it's all Monday to Friday, then some on overtime, Saturday. Overtime shift, you used to get overtime shifts on Friday night shift, yeah, and Saturday day shift, yeah, and you know, and it only be fitters and things like that that would work on the weekends, yeah, you know, just fixing things or service and winders, you know, things like that, yeah. So we're and now, how long did you stay in Gambalda? No, uh, until 82, I stayed there. Yeah. Uh, Actually, while I was at Dirk and Bloody Macca, Shane McClay was um, doing his, his school vacation work in the store. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what that year was, was that? Macca. That was, would have been 90s, been eh? 80s. God, I didn't think he was that bloody old. No, he couldn't be. He's eh? early 40s. No, Macca, not early 40s. Mid 40s. He's, um, he's, be 50 or close to it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah, he's a, he's a bloody tight little bastard too. Because <laughs> you had to, have, you know, bring back the old gloves or you didn't get any new ones or any broken spanners and things like that. You had to bring the old ones back and he wouldn't let you have it unless you brought the old ones back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. He's, uh, did yeah. you knock around with his old man? I knew him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew him. Yeah. Now, let's just take a little intermission break from our yarn with Simesy. We've actually had a bit of a tribute come in to Simesy. Let's play. Simesy, a legend. Maddie's got you in the uh, interview room. Um, 1992, when I got the arse from Bellevue, you saved my bacon. Could have quite easily gone back to the building industry, BLF member, but you sent me down to see Jeff McKenzie and I had a second shot, sent me to Telfer. And for that, my friend, I'll always be grateful to you, Mr. Symes. So, um, yeah, if I can drag you out of retirement, Symes, you let me know. I've got a gig for you. Cheers, bud. Carrot. Talk later. <laughs> he's, he's... No worries, young Paul. Thanks. <laughs> no, what, no matter what time of day is, old Carrot's still always recruiting. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Good on your characters for sending that in, mate. You're a legend. So where I guess when when did you then get out of um Cambalda? Where was next? Well eighty two I got out of Cambalda because um Ricky Bennett, he was um Rissy Solely passed away a couple of years ago, but he was um he went up to Laverton. And anyway, I was started rock drilling and that in sort of my last year in Cambolda, last two years in Cambolda. Anyway, he went up there and he rings it, yeah, come up here, bloody good money, you know. And so I ended up going up there and we're, we're bloody rail developing for a fair while with him. I was there for four or five years or something. Yeah. And then I went down to Norseman and Ajax and North Royal and then uh, after Lancefield and... So I travelled around all, you know, just chasing the big dollar. Norseman 
I thought would be a lot better, but it ended up that you had to be one of the locals before you got the good jobs. Ah, right. Of you course. Know, it was one of those places. What about, so Le- Leinster back then, was that the all the, the existing top bit of what what's called Perseverance now, the existing big nickel mine? Is that yeah. where you're where, where well, from, mining? From um, Northman, I went to, went to um, I'll say in Leinster, and that's where, you know, I'd work in there with the Fox. We were sort of a team, either working together or day afternoon shift. They're doing all those air leg driving and all that sort of stuff, you know, four before air legs yep. off the back of buddy scissor trucks and that. Oh, yeah, you'd have yeah. a couple of machines going, were Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. was, I guess, what was your uh, specialty between, I guess, driving, stoping, rising, or what well, did you sort of stick to? This time of all I had was in um, Leinster and air legging on the slots. You know, you get those slots 40 degrees, two metres, two and a half metres high. And I had buddy... I broke, what was it? I got 2,300 bucks a shift there in 80, 83, I think it was. Jesus Christ, that's bloody Hollywood wages. I broke 2,200 tonne and scraped 3,100 tonne. That was for the fortnight. And I got paid 2,300 a shift. And anyway, Peter Bartley was the general manager of <laughs> and then. And he came and told me, he said, I will pay you. $2,300 a shift for this pay. He said, you will not do anything whatsoever next pay because if you do, you will not get paid the $1,800 a shift I owe you. <laughs> so so then they changed it around. <laughs> how'd, you, but, how'd you rip such a good pay? I was just well set up. I'd, <coughs> I'd done this um, stope, this slot. And it was three slots together, and they were eight metres wide, then you had a four-metre pillar, another eight metres, four-metre pillar, eight metres, so there were three of them. And they were up uh, 20 metres. <coughs> and anyway, there's a ore body come up through the floor, up near the face. And anyway, so they said, well, the GAs went down hunting around. Anyway, they said to me, oh, come down the bottom here and put a drive in right at the bottom where the rails are. And he was only in there a metre underneath the football and they'd completely missed it. And so it was bloody good ore too, you know, it was going close to half an ounce of a tonne sort of thing. Yeah. And so it was just bench the whole lot of it. So it was just, you know, 10 footers, three metre steels, 10 footers and just poof. <laughs> you know, it was unreal. But all the time I was stoping there, I was um, centre cutting all the stopes, you know, two-way drags as we used to call them. And you'd fire it, so you're firing both sides the same numbers, and yep. that would flick everything straight down on the level. Even when you're 20 metres up, you get most of your dirt down the level, and you got paid scraping for it. Yeah, so I was right always on. on, you know, six, eight hundred bucks a shift anyway. So I was doing really well there, you know. And that was, you know, that was great with those slots. And you know, there was a heap of guys who always, you know, I told a heap of guys how to do it, showed them how to do it, and all that sort of stuff. And we made some bloody good money out of that. Yeah, yeah. So what I guess. I guess that puts you in such good stead. Like learning that blasting and all that when you're yeah. legging, because it's not not forgiven at all. But Jesus can be your best friend. Yeah. I guess how did you? A lot of that shit did you pick up along the way, or is it all just the pub talk and little tips and tricks back then? It come from, you know, um, remember when uh, Ledger was on a on an air leg. He was in a basalt rise out in Campbell, and I was talking to him once, and he was talking about wedging your burn. You know, and he said, you know, in the hard basalt, he used to wedge it real bad. And, you know, one reamer, 
and then wedge the shit out and put an extra couple of clearing holes in. And anyway, it come from that, you know, and everybody was saying, well, you can wedge bloody stopes as well. And But you weren't allowed to do a centre cut, which was putting in a box that where all the holes ended up at the back of the burn. Yeah. You weren't allowed to do that because when that went off, you know, because all your pipes and your ventilation and everything was always up your ass because it was a, you know, a rail mine and all that sort of thing. They're only small and it would just take out pipes and vent and everything. So this was a bit of a modification of that where you would um, fire a four-footer going in and then you'd have your two metres and then oh, you have yeah. your 2.4 metres yep. and you'd fire all them together and then – or at different numbers – but it would all come out together because you're using millisex. Yep. So just put, put, put. And so basically together, but not. Yeah. And then you'd fire all the rows going out to the side, all the same numbers as you went out. And it would all just flick in and you'd only end up with a little bit of dirt in the centre. All the rest would be thrown straight back because it was on the angle, the holes on the angle, it would hit and just go straight out. Yeah. And those were some of the things you learned. And, all, you know, you were paying for the explosive and all that. So if you stuffed up a cut, you know, it was, you'd go home and you'd be sweating. You know, you think, shit, I've just <laughs> lost 10 bucks today. Yeah, because we're only getting, you know, in those days when I first started, I was only getting, uh, what was it, 25 bucks a shift? You know, and so you were paying for explosive as well. And, you know, that was, you know, your explosive would come to, you'd get 100, 130, 140 bucks a pay in your hand and your explosive would be 20 or 30 bucks of that. Yeah. And, you know, that's when you start losing, you know, leaving heaps of metres behind, well, it's big money. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I guess I guess what what made yourselves like the top air leggers, like what 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 was considered like you know we all everyone always wanks on about who's the best jump operator these days, but what what classed people as the top air leggers? I assume there was probably different well, types, clean ones, quick ones. There was you know the ones with the rising, you know people who did a lot of rising, you know there's some guns in there, like um, Bluey were run, he was very good at rising. And, you know, he would get his um, – if you got – in a fortnight, if you got 18 metres a fortnight, which is a cutter shift, you were doing quite well in most of the Cambolder stuff. Because it was that hard. Yeah. yeah. But if you got into the talc and all that sort of thing, you get 25, you know, 25, 30 metres. And then you were really a real gun because you got the same money per cut. So, yeah, you know? the surf was so, that So, you know, you end up with Blue was doing a lot of them. And he's, you know, once you sort of got into a thing where you succeeded at something, you were sort of kept in that role. Like Chuck, he was great for, you know, cutting Phil stopes, just ripping them out. And he would just go around all the different stopes that were set up and just rip them out. You know, and he was, um, he ended up one year there, he was a 1% of it all dirt broken. Really? In Canberra? Yeah. yeah. yeah and, wow. you know, there was two or three hundred air leggers or whatever. Yep. And, you know, with mine, Rail driving up in uh, Lancefield, Ricky and I, we were doing our, we were getting our cut every shift. And, you know, that was bloody, what, good metres and good money, you know, the three, four hundred bucks. And then when I started stoping in that, you know, the way you were, all those slots and all that sort of thing, you know, I was classed as one of the best miners up there. You know, and you, and same with Cam Bold and all that, you know, those in those sort of stopes. But you had a good stope, a good setup, you could make money. And when you ended up getting up to be one of the good miners, well, you were captain then. You know, you you were transferred around all the other mines because, shit, we've got some good stopes here. Who can do them? 
and they'd rip them out in a bloody big hurry. But then what? It, it'll all be about setting yourself up, eh? Like, yeah. be like, know how to set yourself up, you know? And, you know, there was an art in when you put in bloody scrapers and where you, where you put them, where you put your risers, where you, you know, all this sort of stuff in relation to the state. And, you know, once you got them all set up and you figured it all out and you talked to everybody, got it all right, well, then you, you're into it. And I do, I do remember always your, uh, the work you at the grocer, your, your, your hard out used to sit in the middle there and God help if you, anyone fucking moved it because it's like, that belongs there, don't touch it. Which is, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the part of airlegging was everything had its place, its sequence, its routine, yep. and that's where. Yeah, you go to a job, you know, you ever visited anybody, you know, sometimes, you know, you might want to run out of bloody bomb or whatever. Mm. Instead of going back to the magazine or whatever, you'd flog into someone's stove and say, hey, you got a bit of this. And, uh, you know, and you've seen absolute mess with shit everywhere and everything like that. You knew damn well why you weren't making money. Yeah. Because you spend all this time trying to bloody sort his gear out. But you go and do another job that's all nice and neat and everything like that, and all the hoses are all rolled up, got the proper hooks and all that sort of stuff. Well, you knew damn well that he was going to make money mm. because he had everything organised. And, you know, you're in a stoping situation where you're tight in air legging. You know, you just fire and you can quite easily put a heap of hole in all your hoses and all that if they weren't in the right spot and blow your scrapers up, yep. electrical boxes, plugs, you know, all that sort of crap. What, what was your most fun mining method or thing you did on an air leg oh those slots in in lancefield they were bloody brilliant yeah yeah and so that's like shooting the slots up sub levels in then stripping no, out no no just straight off the level oh yeah but just, so but when the slots go up you 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 have the yeah behind the pillars yeah travel ways in between yeah. it eh? go around the pillars and all that sort of thing yeah and did you and you dictated the whole sequence of the whole thing yeah yeah. Well, they gave us, you know, they gave us a plan to say that we wanted eight metre wide slots, four metre pillars, four by four pillars, all that sort of stuff. So you just went around and did it. And did you ever have people um, helping you scrape or anything? Did you have trainees? No, not up there. I, I did have a trainee. I had one trainee up there. No, I had two trainees, actually. One was uh, Scott Yaxley. I don't know whether you ever come across Scott. No. And um, Daryl Sanford, rest his soul. He was a bloody brilliant young engineer. Is he reminds me, or you remind me of him actually? He was um, killed at Emu when that flooded. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And he was bloody funny. He down the pub. He was he was a wild little boy. And he was down the pub, and anyway, the other guys are carrying on, you know, payday, bragging about pays and everything <laughs> like that. And he he used to get what did he used to get twenty five percent of what I earned, I think. I think it was only twenty five cent and five cents a ton, or somebody. You know, there was a little bonus there as well. And anyway, he was pissed as a and He said, "Yeah, yeah, it's less prick." He said, "Guess it was the second highest paid miner at Lancel. <laughs> Me, and I'm only a trainee." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have went down like yeah. a bloody lead balloon. He was, he was a good guy. <laughs> I heard the uh, what is it the swinging arms, isn't it? That's the name of the pub, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Plenty yeah, of swinging arms in. in the time, eh? Yeah, uh. yeah. I hardly ever went down the pub very much. I was uh, kept very, very quiet in those days. Oh, that's uh, that's that's good, dear. There would have been um, between all the bloody testosterone-filled airleg miners with a gut full of piss in them. The day yeah. it only ends up in one spot usually, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Who no, was, so it was, uh, there was a few fighters. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Kenny Miller said um, 
Oh, his first day in Campbell, he went with, uh, I think it was Reggie Webb or something. He says, come for a drink at the pub. And he said he turned around, has one sip and then looks back and then Reggie and this other bloke are just belting the living shit out of each other out in the middle of the RV. He's like, oh, I like this place. Yeah, this is- <laughs> yeah there's quite a few of them. Campbell was a swinging arms, yeah. And a swinging arms up and laving it as well. Oh, right. That was yeah. the textbook mine, name for a mining pub, was it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right, so wait, so how long did you do on the leg signs, all up? I did 18 years all up. 18 years, wow. 18 years all up on the leg. And then so what, that my took, took you to are, early, late 30s, early 40s. Now, when, what age were you when you got your first job on the leg? I was, I was two weeks before I was 18. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, right. Oh, so God, you're age 36 by then. Yeah. Ah. Yep. And then that was when I, I went with Elton then. I went and got my shift boss's ticket and then uh, went with Elton. So when did you but, did you um, get uh, forced off the air leg saying they wanted you to go into management or your no. body started giving away or? No, I did it myself. You know, but, you know, in those air leg days, you know, with the rock drill and all that sort of stuff, I know, I know you had a yarn to bub and I listened to that. Oh, yeah, I meant to ask you about that because I know <laughs> you were in the uh, rock drill comps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bub. Bob was um, just basically, when I finished, he was sort of just getting into winning everything then. But um, I don't know, I ended up winning a few. I won five singles. Amazing, you know, Gary Mose and myself. We won, um, I don't know whether it was 15 or 18 signals, uh, twins, uh, teams. Really? Yeah. And I know we run 13 because that was in the, um, it's one of the news clippings I got at home. Yeah. About Gary Mays and Tony Sean win the um their thirteenth doubles against straight. And then I know we got to fifteen and then I'm pretty sure we got to eighteen. And uh and we were the ones, you know, contrary to what Bob says, we were the ones <laughs> who invented the um pull it back, swap over, stand the air leg up and everything, yeah, and made it quicker. <laughs> but Bob adapted that, but Bob's really he's you know He's got his own stories to tell. <laughs> so when, when did so four man teams? We did a heap of them. A couple of Jack and Jills. Yeah. What's you know? a Jack and Jill? Girl and boy. Oh right. Cool. Yeah, yeah we used to um, you know we'd do drill the first one in, change steel and everything, then run back and tag them. Yeah. And then the girls would run up and start the machine up and yeah, awesome. Then uh, turn the air leg on and finish it off. Ah, cool. Yeah. So when when you started when you were eighteen, were rock drill comps around then? No. When did they come in? Ah. I think they come in about 70, 74. I think it was the first time I've seen it, 74, 76, something like that. So that would have been, everyone would have been like, how cool is this? I want to yeah. get on this. Were they pretty popular from the get-go? I know. I didn't really get involved with them until had my brother-in-law. He um, talked me into, I went to the Cowgirl Affair once and it was on. And then my brother-in-law says, oh, why don't you bloody come and have a go at it and we'll go on the doubles together. And we ended up coming fourth in the first one we was ever in. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, I was around. And then when I went with Elton, well, you know, you had to work weekends and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, didn't, didn't have the time to keep on going to them. So, who was your main competitors when you were right into the rock drills when you were still on the leg? Who were the. Well, we had um, Bluey, you had um, Burgeon, you had the um, Castles, had. Um, Oh. Or Gary Mays, obviously. Yeah, Maisy, um, Ronnie Houston, um, Bob. The first 
three years I did it, I think Bub wasn't there. They, they all sort of come over from Tassie together. Um, Ledger, Katoi, um, Werner Borchard, he won a few. Uh, ah, How many? Um, so did you ever travel over East for him? Or you just did the ones in Went WA? Went over to um, the Sydney show. Yeah. Um, that one where Bob, him and Kerry won the doubles over there. That was bloody funny. That <laughs> one of the one of the guys he he went out with one of the girls of ill fame at Kings Cross, and anyway we're at the at the Rock Grill the next day, and anyway he says, "Oh God, I'm itchy," and he <laughs> hey, hey Kerry Butler, I'm pretty sure it was Kerry gave him some deep heat, and he says, "Oh, he said." Just put it in his hand. He said, Here, grab all this cream. He said, that's brilliant. It'll fix you up. <laughs> uh, fixed him up, okay. <laughs> God, where'd he rub it? <laughs> where do you think? Oh, right. Yeah, right. So it was bloody crap. He'd been crabs. out with the girls of ill fame. Oh, there you go. <laughs>